Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Good morning, beloved. Did I, did I wake you? I had some dreams about you and I rolled over and I wrote a poem. May I take a moment and share with you what <laughs> it's called morning rituals it goes a little something like this I want you as part of my morning ritual there's yoga meditation prayer and you I want to rise with you inside smiling and laughing at it all the ironies of life and the everyday miracles that create moments of heaven on earth. You see, I want to know your scent and linger in it. want to sit at your feet and envision the colors of your life stories. <laughs> yeah, I want to cook for you too. Sharing meals, the most subtle intimacy taken for granted between two. want to let you guide me through our future Nudge me out of the past and dance into the moments of right now. I want to sleep with dreams of you. Have you beside me as we change lives. Creating many miracles, exhibiting his light through our work together. Simply I want to see the moon when you kiss me. I want to feel the stars when you touch me. Wake up with the sun, with you inside me, after yoga, meditation, and prayer. Is that all right? Peace and light, everybody. It's Sweet Franchise. Oh, not yet. Hey, we on? Peace and light, everybody. It's Sweet Franchise. Welcome to Massacre NGGT Radio. Is my producer on the line? Great. Well, we are here and we welcome you tonight on this special, special episode. We are so excited. We are doing an exclusive interview right here, right now, with the awesome Christopher K.B. Brown. K.P., you in the building? Hello. 
Whoa, this is Sweet Friend Sean. This is Sweet Friend Sean. I don't hear it. Welcome, welcome once again to Master Griot. Welcome again to Master Griot Radio. I apologize, everybody. I have a grandbaby that wants to be on the radio with me right now and can't. Thank you so much for joining us here on Blog Talk. This is Sweet Franchise. I am your hostess for the evening, and our lovely producer and founder, Jacqueline Taylor-Adams, is engineering the show today. We are expecting um, for Christopher C.K.P. Brown to join us shortly. I thought he was on the line earlier. I apologize. I kept pausing for him, um, but he's not here yet. For those of you who don't know, you might want in the meantime, check it out. Check out all things Christopher on Poetry. 247.com. Um, we are excited about the work he's doing in Philadelphia, how he's supporting poets throughout the country, and it's going to be a great interview. So right now we're going to take a pause for the cause, and we're going to get right back with you in about one minute. I know we got something coming up for you. If you're a poet, an artist, or someone who wants to call in, make sure, or you listen in and you want to call in, please be sure to call 646-716-7994. Once again, the number is 646-716-7994, and um, we will be right back with you. I guess I'm still in the air. I'm okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Chris while we wait for him, everybody. Um, I met Christopher K. P. Brown a while ago, and he was doing open mic circuit in Philly. He had just come from Nebraska, and I loved his style and the way he would be able to engage the crowd. And he's very unassuming when you see him until he gets on stage, and. He has he decided somewhere along the journey to become a full time poet and entrepreneur. And it's a difficult thing to do. So what we want to do is talk to him today about the things that he does, his workshops, his hosting, his publishing of chat books, how he does marketing. He's I actually am a client of his, in fact. Um, how he does marketing for poets and how he has built and is building his poetry empire. We want to talk to him about that. We want to learn from him today, and we want to learn how to be working poets and see how difficult it is, what challenges he faces, what's been highs and lows, etc. So we're going to ask that you stay with us while we check in and see if he's available for us for this awesome interview. And we're going to take a moment now and go to commercial, and we'll be right back. Two-thirds a person, great things and beatings and suffering and worsening, like human packages tied up in strings. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Sincere Sean. I thank you, everybody, who's been listening so far for your patience. Um, thank you. Sweet Sean Sean, I am your host for the evening. Welcome to PLP Radio right here on Massacre MGGT Radio. We are so excited about our call tonight and our interview 
we are about to have an exclusive interview with one of our own, one of those who are in the poet world doing big things, great things. We're so excited. We are welcoming, and I think I hear him in the background, Christopher yeah. K.P. Brown. Are you here? Are you outside, I'm man? I'm here. I'm for only two seconds. I'm be right inside, like one second, getting He's settled, talking. moving to my house. How y'all doing? <laughs> Peace, how are you? How are you? Thank you for calling in. I know you're busy as always. Wait a minute, tonight's oh, Monday night. You got a lot on the calendar tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night. So, yeah, I'm resting tonight for the most part. Uh, yeah. Getting ready, getting prepared. Yeah, we want to talk about a whole lot of things. You know, I got a lot to ask you since I haven't <laughs> been able to personally catch up with you in a while outside of seeing you for a couple of minutes at some of the shows. But we have a lot to ask you. But why are you getting situated? Let me tell everybody a little bit about you, okay? Okay. And I, I, I was going by um, memory and what I know, but I'm going to get formal and I'm going to act like I know. And I'm going to go to, we're going to talk about poetry 24-7, about home, and I'm going to get a special about what I about having you as a business partner. First of all, everybody who doesn't know this man, this man, he is, what I admire about him is when I met him, you know, people really underestimate poetry and its power. And like I said earlier, he has a very unassuming personality when you don't see him performing. But when he gets on stage, he he just he just knows how to engage the crowd. He knows how to get us responsive. Um, he is just one of my favorite spoken word artists as an artist. But what I've going to admire about him even more is that he has decided I always get, I used to always get concerned about people saying we're going to do poetry full time but not only is he a full time poet and that is a very demanding very demanding um, calling and job um, he is a business owner he is a founder of poetry 247.com I apologize I have allergy issues today and I became a client of his I don't know how many, it's been years now. I mean, it's like autopilot. At least three or four, probably four, probably close to four probably or five. Probably four since yeah. the beginning, yes? Yeah. yeah. I became a yeah. client because although I'm a poet, most of my network is in the music industry, and I wanted to still stay connected to the regional and national poetry scene, and I wanted to make sure my information got out there. And therefore, he created poetry, um, Chris created Poetry247.com. It's your one-stop shop for spoken words. So with Poetry247, as a client, from a client side, he does marketing for us, social media marketing for us, for me, and for his clients, where we make sure we tweet it on Instagram and Facebook about our events and things like that. And he's very consistent, has a great system in place, and um, love that about him. He also can help you. He also can publish your chapbook through Poetry247.com. Uh, he has T-shirts and merchandise, and he keeps adding to his product line, uh, and which now also includes producing poetry shows. Am I correct, Chris? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. About three or four poetry shows right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, and you, listen, let me just say this. 
he has three or four poetry shows right now, and most of them, some of them are done weekly. I think the majority of them are done weekly. I do my shows once a month and every three months, and it's huge. I can't understand how you keep up. So once you're ready to talk to the people, um, I want you to take a moment, let me know if you're ready. And I really got a lot of questions that I want to talk, and what we like to teach people here when they're listening is, especially poets of independent artists, we like to talk about the business of poetry. Um, that's what Jacqueline created this specific show for originally. Um, so we can talk about the business that help people, help artists, specifically poets, operate as a business and not, A, not be taken advantage of, B, help increase the value in poetry as a performer, um, and how to manage themselves and how to market themselves and build their brands, et cetera, all those things that's necessary for people to know who you are so that you can make money and get paid for what you do, right? Right. right. So, could you hear me, um, Let's start with. And I was on the right. phone right up until he started talking about Richie Rich, and I got cut off, man. I don't know what that is in the background. Are you still with me, okay. KP? It's not on my end. I'm still with you. I hear it, but it's not on my end. That's not on your end either? No, it's not. Okay. All right. Let's hope that clears up in a moment. Okay. So let's start off with the fact. Let's start and tell everybody who you are and how to find you first. You first outside of Poetry247.com. I presume that's how everybody reaches you, but I don't want to make that presumption. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you started as a poet, and then we'll go on from there. Okay. Um, so if anybody wants to find me online, um, I still, I'm pretty old school. I still use my Facebook, uh, Christopher K.P. Brown. I just created a second Facebook page because uh, Facebook, to me, for everybody, it's just easy to connect with people that way. I still love it. It's the number one tool as far as people initially reaching, initially reaching out to me. Um, and we may talk about this later. I don't like doing business through Facebook. I prefer not to, like, have messages going back and forth. For the most part, right. uh, I still kind of old school with my email, attached to my email. But uh, Christopher K.P. Brown on Facebook is two accounts. Both of them are me. Um, and uh, on Instagram and Snapchat, which I've been using a lot of, is uh, K.P. Ultra. Uh, K. Oh, okay. Ultra. Yeah. And so those are the easiest ways to connect with me. Right now, and uh, okay. so uh, as far as poetry and getting started, I'm originally from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Uh, I was born and raised there. Went to uh, college in Georgia, and uh, I went. I actually went to Georgia to do poetry. My plan was not necessarily to finish college. My plan was to uh, get to Atlanta because I knew that was the next major poetry scene from where I was uh, in Arkansas, and. Um, but I did end up finishing school. That's a we'll talk about. May get to talk about that later. But I finished school in Georgia in uh, 2007. I went to Mercer University, graduated in 2007, and then moved up to D.C. for a year. Then I moved to Philadelphia for grad school at Temple uh, in August of 2008. I left uh, Thanksgiving of 2008 to do poetry full time, and so that's kind of uh, the start of my career right there. Officially, the start of my career in poetry. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, and, uh, yeah. Go ahead. And so, um, but I've been performing since I was uh, 14 or 15, uh, writing um, poetry. wrote my first poem in the ninth grade when uh, my ninth grade English teacher asked me to join the poetry contest, and I won first place the first time I ever wrote a poem. And uh, more than winning first place, I just really enjoyed the feeling of, like, all right, I have this thought, I have this opinion, this perspective. I'm able to put it on page, and other people were able to connect with that. Um, that was that was really 
um, good feeling for me. And that's the that's kind of the feeling I'm always chasing as a writer, and sometimes even as a host. Um, it's like, hey, you know, like, get to experience these poets. I want you to experience them too. Um, right. But you do so, bring out some great poets that you know that we all love and respect. All right. Yeah. Try to. Um, and so yeah, I um, so I started writing when I was fourteen. And um, started putting out CDs when I'm in college, and uh, I just was performing. I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> I've been doing it uh, half my life at this point, and it's kind of just it's almost it's really natural to me at this point uh, to do these things, uh, to write, to perform, and uh, hosting is the only part that I never actually planned to do. Uh, that's the part. For years, I said I would never host an event because of what you said earlier. It takes a lot of time, and um, it's really time consuming. It takes a lot of work. And you have to please a lot of people. You have to please the crowd. You have to please the other artists you're working with. You got to please mm-hmm. yourself. Make sure you know you're getting what you need out of it as well. And so, um, but yeah. So the, the poetry part, I'm familiar with the hosting. I've been hosting for two years. That's probably the newest thing I've been doing. Yeah. That's interesting. My my journey's the opposite. I started off just hosting. Mm-hmm. And then I had to fill in sometimes at poetry events, you know. And then I happen to ha- be a writer. In private, you know, I never been was public, and I started sharing some of my writing, and that's how I started performing. Okay. And then it's evolved now to these full fledged productions where they're beyond just you know in the these full fledged productions. That's you know, I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> how did I get here? <laughs> right. You know, where I'm literally having to you know do profit and loss statements after every show to make sure I'm making a, making money and you know, how much my costs are, where I can, um, you know, where I can maybe be able to cut costs or where I need enhancements. And, you know, like you said, you have to please so many people because I still perform. I still have to produce the show. You have to deal with the venues. You know, there's things I have to deal with the venues where that people don't understand when you make a decision and they don't get it. And it's because I have contractual things that I have to do as well, you know. Right. So that's right. a lot of stuff to manage. So. Tell us the events that you – so tell us – no, and so you went from performing, this I know, then you created 20, Poetry 24-7. Why did you create Poetry247.com? And tell us why it's the one-stop shop for poetry. I created Poetry247.com because um, – so I was in Philly, and um, I'm not even in Philly, in two years. And at that point, I mean, in two years, and one of my favorite poets came to the Droopy the Book Ball. He's a poet down in D.C. And uh, I found out the day a day later that he was in Philly the night before performing. And I was like, I was complaining. Most of my business ideas come out of my, me complaining to somebody about <laughs> that's something. Right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> right. And so I was uh, complaining to my business partner at the time. We At the time, we only did chapbook publishing. That was the main thing we did. And I was complaining. Okay, so originally Poetry 24-7 was just chapbook publishing. It, originally Poetry 24-7 didn't exist, and we were doing chapbooks as Two Pins and Lent. Like two pins and oh, Lent that's right, Two Pins and Lent. That's right. Okay, yeah, right, right, right. Okay. Chapbook publishing company. That, so, but, and we started doing chapbooks in 2009. So fast forward to 2011, January 2011, that's when we launched Poetry 24-7 because I was like, we should know when different poets are coming through the city. Um and we should also uh, know when events are happening in general in the city. Um, but right. Poetry 24-7 started off just 
promoting three events per city, Baltimore, D.C., and Philly, um, three of the most well-known events in each of those cities. But then, um, and that, we started that in January 2011, National Poetry Month came up in April of 2011, and we did something that we said we were going to do one time. And we um, we listed all of the poetry events going on in all three of those cities. When right. we did that, we saw a major jump in traffic, more than double um, our traffic to the website. And so mm-hmm. for about the next four years after that, we just continued to post every event that was going on in those cities, Baltimore, Philly, D.C. Um, we eventually expanded to New Jersey, New York, and Georgia. And uh, right now we're kind of going back to the older model of um, promoting certain events because at this point we uh, do um, – uh, people do pay to promote through the website, and uh, we're really trying to push forward with that to really uh, be able to go nationwide next year with Poetry 24-7, maybe early, may, maybe some point this year going nationwide with Poetry 24-7. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so what was the other part of the question? Besides, so, um, so that's uh, what I wanted to what, know, what all Poetry 24-7 consisted of. You let me know mm-hmm. how I started. You started off actually with chat books with two pins in the land. I get it now. Mm-hmm. I remember actually now that you said once you once I said it, I actually recall um, that's how you started. So now you've gotten that far. You started off. So you have this website. You have this portal, so to speak, where all these events are listed. Where we actually where um, poets and promoters actually pay you to make sure um, to get them help them get the word out because you. You have a huge network where all, you know, you become the go-to man in the area for poetry. Mm-hmm. So then what happened and how did it evolve to actually doing events in Philly? Because when I started out, there was no, I started doing events in Philly, like you said, in Wilmington, because everything was only happening in Philly. And I was like, well, we, don't have, we shouldn't have to travel to Philly all the time. We should be able to create something here. And like right. you, because I was complaining about it, I went and created something here. So mm-hmm. tell me what prompted you to start events, to start actually hosting and producing events in Philly. Right. So, and then um, tell me how many you got going on and where are they and when are they. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll do it. Yeah. So uh, the first event I hosted was in New York, actually, in Brooklyn, um, while I was living living in Philly. This was uh, 2000 probably 13, maybe. Um, and I, <laughs> so I'm in Brooklyn. I went and featured at the event. Um, I knew the person who booked me, that the person wasn't the same person as the host. So I get to the event, and I, I because I've always studied poetry, anytime I'm in a room of poets or any type of poetry event, I'm paying attention to everything I can. Like, I'm studying it. And so if you study long enough, you begin critiquing naturally as well. And right. um, so um, this particular event, I just did not agree with the way it was being ran. I just, like, started really late. A, a bunch of things happened um, from Tell starting Tell us some late. of those things so people can learn. Let's learn uh, yeah. today. <laughs> All right. How about that? Because I agree with you, and I try not to be a producer every time I go somewhere, and I'm so critical of my own stuff because of that. So tell me, at this event you went to in Brooklyn, Right. What were the things you didn't like about it that prompted you to just yeah, that, that, that you was you criticized and you didn't find acceptable? Like some of them included what? <laughs> so one of the things, um and this is always a telltale time for me. And I, I I this is kind of my rule across the board. 
is that you can tell how the feature is going to go based off the communication between the host and the feature before the event. So as a poet poet performing, um, I I always have a good show when I communicate it with the host beforehand. Because uh, okay. just to, just on the, all right, be here at this time, this is how many minutes you have, and this is the pay. And that doesn't have to necessarily be a phone call. I mean, years ago, that was definitely a phone call. But that doesn't have to be necessarily have to be a phone call at this point. You know, that could just be a Facebook message today, a show, a text message today, the day of the show. It could be, it could come down to, like, just a like, you know, or a share. Right. You know, right. something that's, I mean, I did that today. I haven't, like, I haven't talked to you today. But I posted a status, tagged you, and I saw that you liked it. So I know that you know that I'm about to do the show, right? And right, so, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> simple things like that, you know, like right. just, a, just a simple communication of, yes, this is on. We both know we're supposed to be a certain time and all of that. And, um, but the main thing for me at that particular show was that we started an hour, an hour and a half late, right? What? And, which is, yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and it's, and I mean, like, in poetry, yeah, we may start 15, 20, even 30 minutes late. I kind of feel like 30 minutes is like the cutoff. That might the be about, acceptable, right. Maybe, yeah. It better be worth it. Like, <laughs> right. But like hour and hour and a half, the problem with that, besides it just not being on time, is that for the person who wants to come to your show, you know, they're, everybody's trying to catch, like, oh, they normally start, like, an hour app later, you know what I mean? They normally don't so get that means they, time. So that means the audience are going to be even later, because if they think you're going to start an hour, hour and a half late, they're going to come two yeah. hours late. Exactly. Right. They're going to come late. The people who came on time may just leave, you know, right. or by the time you actually get started, they're not having a good time. They're already already mad. They just wasted an hour, right? Yeah. And so now Let's that talk about who, that real quick. Yeah. Let's talk about how disrespectful it is to the people who paid to come to the show. Yeah, and who and who has to suffer? The the poets do. The people performing right. have to suffer. As a whole, right. yeah, I mean, you kind of suffer. And, and you struggling as a host. Really. You, yeah, you struggling too as a host though, because you gotta you right. try to fill those gaps and holes and you know all that stuff. Yes. Right, but then if we talk about the money of it, you as a host have already made your money, right? But right. and so this, but this, so I'm well, let's talk about host slash producer because sometimes yeah. the host is not the one who's actually putting on the show, who's saying right. you know who's making the money, blah blah blah. Now it used to be typically the host is the producer, typically, but not yeah. always nowadays. Uh huh. Go Very ahead. True. So I'll, I'll just say as like as the artist. So I'll, I'll say yeah, okay, the producer, whoever is putting on the event, like they get the money up front, but during the show, I'm. I'm thinking about this as a host now in 2016. During the show, I want to get my feature up at a good time. I want to make sure the crowd is comfortable. I want to make sure they don't have to wait a long time so that by the time they see the feature, they're in a good mood. That if the feature does a good job and they have product, that people want to purchase it from them. Absolutely. But if they have to wait an hour and a half, the sales for that feature, for that poet who came from out of town, are going to be lower. That poet's sales are going to be lower. And so so those type of things. Um, so one of my main issues there at the same venue is like the TV's playing loud in the background, you know, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. The mic's not up, like even down to like there has to be uh, even the feng shui of the room, like where yeah. people place are 
am I, is the stage area in a place where everybody can see me in a room? Are people's backs to me where they're sitting? All those type of things. And I just had a list that particular day. That particular day, I was just, like, really angry after the show. And so I called the person who um, who ran the show, who, like, organized and booked and all of that. Um, he had, unfortunately, he had, wasn't, hadn't been able to make it for some months. And, uh, but I called him, and um, he asked me if I wanted to host. <laughs> and wow. Because I, <laughs> yeah, I was complaining. He was like, well, do you want to do it? And what? I was like, oh, I didn't. I was, like, I didn't, I was like, that's not why I called. <laughs> but, okay. Like, I knew him well, right? I knew him well I knew him well enough to say, like, hey, these are problems going on at the event. Right. And he knew me well enough to say, hey, do you want to solve those problems personally, like yourself? Right. And I said, yeah. And so I did that for um, two or three months in Brooklyn. And um, at the end of the day, because I wasn't, I was co-hosting, right? And so right. the co-host was with the person I already had those problems with. And those were problems that were really hard to change from Philly, driving from Philly to New York, you know, right. once a month. And so that was difficult. But um, anyway, I did that for three months. But um, during, within that three months, uh, my friend Madeira, Madeira Speaking Me Free, who's based in Norristown, she, uh, she would start an open mic in Norristown called Open Words. And right. she asked me to come out and feature. And I went and featured, had a really good time. And I thought I would be back. I was like, I'll be back here on a regular basis just because I like it here. I just like the vibe and space and everything. And so um came back a couple of times. Um, and then I think maybe the third time she asked me if I would be interested in hosting there, being a co-host. And uh, I said yes, because um, essentially my job there, what I wanted to do was book out-of-town poets. I wanted to get as many out-of-town poets there as possible because I had those connections with a lot of out-of-town poets. Right, right. Um, and so I did that. And so we hosted a – we did Open Words for probably uh, a year and a half maybe, close to two years because we had Open Words. It was Words a nice run. It's a nice run for poetry, those tabs, small town, you know, nice run. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and so I'm from Pablo, Arkansas too. And so I'm from a small town, so it, it felt really good to do a poetry in a small town and really – See that, and not not in a city where it's poetry every night, and you right. have to compete with a lot of other events. Like to be one of the reasons I started at Wilmington too, because it was no competition. Right, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could feel really oversaturated. Right. Sometimes, and but the business of it though, when both of these opportunities was that I'd known these people for probably two or three years. Right. When they asked uh-huh. me to host, um, the first person who ran up. Brooklyn event, I'd known him for probably seven years before I got that hosting gig. And I mention that because uh, a lot of times people would jump into poetry and say, hey, this is what I want to do, and this is, and I want to do it right now. But it doesn't really work that way. A lot of times it doesn't work that way because um, even hosting, for years I said I wouldn't do it, but at the same time I was in poetry events all the time, so I got to see people host. I got to learn about hosting, even though I didn't know that's what I was going to be doing eventually. And, right. Um, so we did Open Words, did Open Words for about two years. We started Open Words New Jersey as well, Adam, uh, out in uh, Atco, New Jersey. We did that for about a year. And um, But after I got the Open Words gig, at, um, the hosting gig at Open Words, um, I was at an event called Sounds in the Gallery in Philadelphia. Um, right. And Ms. Wise, um, really dope poet, extremely dope poet, like well-known, 
Um, she's, yeah, now she's in the, California. <laughs> shout out to Miss Wise in California yeah, now. Uh-huh. Living in Los Angeles right now. But uh, two or three uh-huh. years ago, she was still in Philly, and she had just started an event called Sounds in the Gallery. It was every first Saturday in Philly at a poet's art gallery. And um, that was that was a really – that ended up being a really good opportunity opportunity for me. So I would just go with her just to check out the event that uh, she's hosting. Uh, I went with her like maybe two or three times just to check out the event. And um, I think it might have been the third event. She told me she was about to move to Los Angeles and that she needed a host. And so here I am brainstorming. I'm like, oh, you could get this person. I'm giving her a list, and maybe this person could work out. And she's like, what about you? (laughs) I'm like, uh, okay. Because keep in mind, I'm from Arkansas. So I'm still, at the time, really nervous about hosting in a major city. You know, hosting by myself in a major city. With Brooklyn, that event was fairly small at the time, and I had a co-host with Open Words that was outside of Philadelphia, and I had a co-host. But Sounds in the Gallery would be my first gig, hosting gig by myself. And it was my first hosting gig in Philadelphia. Um, right. So I was pretty nervous about that. And uh, so that's why I didn't even mention myself in that list. But um, she asked if I want to host. And I'm not really – and when it comes to poetry, I rarely say no to opportunities that I've never had before because um, I'm always trying to learn. And I'm just like kind of throw me in the swimming pool and I'll figure it out. Um, and so she asked if I want to host. And I've been hosting Sounds in the Gallery at this point, for almost, uh, it'll be three years this year. Um, wow. Yeah. That's a that's, nice that's, long run. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, um, and and Thousand Gallery takes place in a poet's art gallery, which is owned by three young black women. They're all in their late 20s, I believe. And um, it's been in Philly for about maybe over five years at this point. Uh, really mm-hmm. nice being used. You're surrounded by art. As soon as you walk in, and uh, we yes, do portions yes. around the art. Yeah. And so I really I, love that. Video. Unfortunately, I haven't made it recently. Tell me where that is again. Let's let the listeners know where that is again. It's on 40th, 40th and Gerard. It's a few blocks up from the Philadelphia Zoo, so 4032 Gerard Avenue. Okay, great. So, and, uh, yeah. no, so, call for, so that, so um, you have, I know that you have, um, Oh, you have a Mar Hill coming in tomorrow for um yeah. your breed yeah, for what's the name of that one? Breed Love, what's that? Yeah, full day? It's called the Breed Love. So I mentioned the um three uh, uh women who own uh Poets Art Gallery. So um they um I had the opportunity after doing a thousand gallery for about two years, uh they mentioned that they wanted to have more events there. And I'm like, Okay. I I'm always kinda like I'm always hesitant to start events or take on events. Um, they said they wanted more events there. And so I was like, all right, give me a little time. Like, I'll go to the drawing board and see what I come up with. And mm-hmm. um, at the time, what I felt like we were didn't really have in Philly on the open mic side was a room that was just about poetry, only about poetry. No band, no food, no drink, anything else. Just like bare Mike bones. Mike and a poet. Mike and a, a poet. Mic. Not even a mic. <laughs> like wow. we, don't have, we don't even have a mic there, right? And so it's just some chairs, people, you come in with your poems, right? And that, and I said I wanted to have that in Philly because I, I felt like I had that in D.C. when I lived in D.C. and when I would visit D.C. in the summers during college, I would go to this event called Spit That, which is, again, hosted by Drew Peter Brook Baller and uh, Dwayne Bean. And they have it every Thursday. 
Um, it's right up near Howard University. And that, that event's been going on for 12 years. And that event wow. really influenced the event I have now on Tuesdays at the Poets Art Gallery. It's called the Cole and Bree Love and the Freedom Party. And gotcha. Yeah, we do it every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And uh, Cola Brie Love is taken from a book by Toni Morrison. Uh, Toni Morrison uh, wrote, her first book was called The Bluest Eye. Right, and right, absolutely. The main character in the book is Cola Brie Love. So um, the the open mic really is influenced by both Fit That in D.C. and also the book, The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. And so. Wow. So do you find that all your your events are fairly successful They get the kind of crowds and the artist support that you need because I still sometimes it's a challenge for open mics because you don't know actually who you're getting because it's an open mic will sign up when they get there. And um, some open mics are challenging. That's why they start late because people are coming to sign up on the mic so they actually don't have people to perform. Or what's your formula to avoid that? Right. Yeah, well, luckily for me, I... I know how to do a 45-minute set <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> and so I can always fill in. Uh, so we don't have, we never had that trouble at the Cola Brie Love. Uh, Cola Brie Love, I call it the little engine that could um, because it's, it's my smallest event, but the most happens on Tuesdays night. It's so, so much happens on Tuesdays, Tuesday nights. Uh, the list is always full. People are always there on time. We say 7 p.m., like we're getting started at seven fifteen, seven twenty at the latest uh, every Tuesday. Um, uh-huh. So we get a good crowd there. We always have a lot because because we have like create that culture that says, "Hey, bring your new poem. Hey, you've never performed before. Come on over here." Because we've created that culture, we uh, right. That's that important. Exactly. Yeah. Where you don't have to be what has done it all the time, and you know, right. so you know, have so much experience. So people who are just getting new or maybe just have one poem they just want to share. Right, to do that. exactly. Okay. And, so, and that's what Cold and Brie Love is on Tuesdays. Now, first Saturdays when we do Sounds in the Gallery, that's a little different. Um, as a poet, as a performer, you may feel a little bit more nervous, but that that's needed for poetry as well. That's needed for the poetry scene as well. Um, right. But it, with Sounds in the Gallery, we focus more on our features and our spotlights. So that's a two, most of my events are two hours or planned, scheduled for two hours. But at Sounds right. in the Gallery, um, the first hour is open mic, and the second hour is goes to our spotlights mm-hmm. and our features. Because um, but for Sounds in the Gallery, we normally get to bring, um, because we have a larger budget for it, we normally get to bring out-of-town poets every month uh, for Sounds in the Gallery. We have, so for instance, this Saturday we're doing Sounds in the Gallery. We have two national poets. We have Ed Mabry and we have Joel, Joel, Joel Francois. Um, oh, Ed Mabry. right. Yeah, and maybe just did Versus and Flow last year. Uh, Joel just went to the National Poetry Slam. We does some amazing, amazing poetry. He's out of New York. And so uh, Sounds in the Gallery, uh, it, it is more pressure on the poet because we, that is the, that's the $10 event versus the $5 event, right? And so there's more pressure right. on anybody performing. But that pressure is needed, you know, to create better poets as well, like people who want to do, make careers out of it. I say come to Sounds in the Gallery and do your pieces. Wow. We've actually, we've covered 44 minutes already. Wow. Because there's so much to learn. (laughs) So everybody, for those you just tuned in, we are just having a conversation. I'm not even going to call it an interview at this point. With Christopher K.P. Brown of Poetry247.com and Two Kids and Lint, um, Chapel Publishing, 
as well as a full-time spoken word artist and and host and producer. I'm going to throw the word in producer because what people don't understand is that you don't just host the event. You actually are producing because you assume risk when it comes to collecting the money, paying the bills, getting the venue, booking the venue, booking the artist, you know. It's that's production, people. It's a made. It's major work, and I just applaud you for doing so much. And you're really working because I do a lot. It's true, but when I mean, but you do a whole lot. And I know people don't always respect the fact that if you say you're working and you're entrepreneurial, that you're actually working. Like they think they can call you anytime. They don't understand that you have to work. Ten times harder right. than you know, twenty times harder than everybody else to get to the end product to be able to make money. So, right. um, two things I want you to do because we only have about fifteen minutes left. Okay. I want you to give a word of advice to everybody that's listening, especially poets. Um, remind them again how they can find you, and then okay. I want I want us to make sure that they hear a poem from you and spit a little poetry before we finish and wrap up. Is that okay. all right? That works. All right. Works so tell, uh, tell, give them a word of advice and tell them how to find you and why it's important that we support poetry, uh, right. poetry and independent artists. Oh, nice. Okay, definitely. Uh, so yeah, I'll start with the word of advice. Um, and this, this is word of advice I used to just give to writers, poets who were looking to perform and write. Um, but I give this to anybody in the poetry business at this point. So I used to say, uh, write the poems that only you can write. And that's a mixture of your experience in life. That's a mixture of your education, and that's a mixture of your skill. Those three things: education, skill, experience. Because um, those three things put together, nobody can duplicate that. Nobody can replicate that. So when I say life experience, I mean everything you've been through. What what you've been through in your life, or even in your your parents, or family. What what you your your ancestors, or what what you come from. Those personal stories, right? Um, but then also your education, and that could be high school education, college, um, grad, school, law school, any of that, right? whatever your education level is, what you've trained and what you've studied. It doesn't even have to be necessarily uh, formal education because, you know, hip-hop artists get education when they freestyle, when they listen to a rap album, like you're learning there too, right? So experience, education, and also your skill level because somebody, somebody may have um, – just as much education as you, somebody may have life experience similar, but if they don't have the skill to execute, if they have a concept for a poem, but they don't know how to execute it, they don't have the skill to execute it, then you're always going to stand out over them. So, right. so I always tell poets to write, write the poems that only you can write. And I'm really carrying that over into business as well. If you want to do poetry business, do the business only you can do. Create the events that only you can create. I Like I said, I this called Abrila based off this book that influenced me in college plus an event that influenced me in D.C. Most poets in Philly don't have, never really weren't at that event every week for a year like I was, right? So that's right. my experience there. And so, yeah, just mixing that education skill and uh, education skill and experience to do either write poetry that's unique or to create business ideas that are unique. Right. So that's my word of advice on, uh, as far as poetry goes. The importance of anybody supporting these events, supporting uh, poets, is this. This is, in my opinion, this is the only art form <laughs> where 
you can write. So I could see something on the news right now, something Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump, anything. I could see that on the news, something that happened today at a rally or anything. I can write that poem. I can go to open mic and perform that piece for, you know, 50 to 100, maybe more people tonight and express that. Like, that all happened within 24 hours. And you don't have that in other art forms. Not live events, right? You can get that online. Somebody could do something online and post (laughs) it. But you don't have that live experience in any other genre. And so, um, and that's important, right? That's important in a time where when we talk about media, we often get stories online, and it, the, the, the opinion is already attached. The opinion and perspective yes. you're supposed to have is already attached to it. So right. having exactly. people that have their own opinions, own thoughts, own perspective coming and sharing in real time, I think is really important in 2016 and times we're living in. And it's important that we're able to, like you say, tell, and refi- tell our old stories. Mm-hmm. And tell, you know, without all the media spin, and because we don't, we are not economically uh, powerful enough to control the media. This is how we have to tell our stories. It goes back to old time traditions. You know, Master Greer. That's what Master Greer Radio is about. We ha- we are the Greer of our community, and we have to be able to tell those stories so that we can formulate our own opinions and our own. Um, what what it looks like. We did create that. So, yeah, good. That's very important. I hope everybody got that message. You can actually listen to this after we're done today again on Master Free Art NBBTA Radio, on Blog Talk Radio. And once again, uh, we thank you for listening. But we're going to continue to close out this awesome conversation because, like I said, it doesn't even feel like an interview. I feel like I'm catching up with an old friend. And just all my friends, all we do is talk business of poetry and entertainment anyway. This is what we do. That's what we do. I don't know. There ain't nothing else to talk about. Like, that's that's what we do. That's who we are. So I want to talk poetry. I want to talk creativity. I want to talk business. I want want to know how it's working for you. I want to know how I can support you. And that's what we do. So I think that's awesome. And I want to support you without asking for a free ticket, without asking for a discount, all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Right. So, you know, that's really, you know, Chris has, um, KP, I'm sorry, I'm so I revert to what I call you. Uh, KP has shared a whole lot of good stuff with us today. For those who are just now tuning in a little late, wondering what in the world are we talking about? We are talking about the business of spoken word, particularly those of us who have risked it and are actually creating opportunities and platforms and venues and events um, for us as business people as well as for as artists and specifically poets today. That's what we're talking about. This is a spoken word here on Peace of Poetry Edition of Master Grid Radio here on Block Talk. So we thank you for joining us. Now, before I've got one more question for you, then I want you to drop – first I was going to have you drop a poem and ask the question, but I really think I want you to end with the poem. Is that all right? Okay. I'm cool with that. All right. I want you to end with the poem because typically if we had a track, we would play it, but – once you end with the poem, I have one more question because I know why Poetry247.com is valuable to me as a client. Can you share with those of us and why, um, how your business is valuable to other businesses and why should we consider, part- or consider partnering with you? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last. Oh, other Why should businesses consider partnering with you? Okay, yeah, I'll definitely answer that. Uh, uh, real quick, let me say, uh, I forget, I 
completely forgot to, to mention two of the uh, events that I do. Um, so the other two is uh, I do a Poetry 24-7 open mic. We were talking about Poetry 24-7. We actually have a Poetry 24-7 open mic uh, now down at the Irish Pole on 114 Market Street. We do that on Fridays. Um, okay. the, other, the other event I host is uh, Art of Expression. It's out in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Uh, the next one is going to be April 23rd. So if anybody is interested in those two events, uh, definitely um, connect with me. Also, um, yeah, so to answer your question, as far as other, definitely as far as poetry venues and poetry events are concerned, we promote um, spoken word events. And what we try to do is promote to the crowds that don't necessarily know about the poetry going on in the city. So right. in Philadelphia, I'm always out. I'm out with my, my poetry 24-7 hoodie on or my uh, poetry 24-7 T-shirts. I may be passing out poetry 24-7 flyers. And I'll run into people that were born and raised in Philadelphia who didn't know there was a single poetry event in the city, right? I know. So, isn't it amazing? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is amazing. And I'm in Philly, cities like Philly, D.C., Baltimore. You know, we promote all these cities, D.C., Baltimore, New York. So we're in these major cities sometimes, and uh, we're not – what I always say about Philly, we're not even – if you count all of the people attending poetry events in the city in one month, we're not even reaching 1% of the African-American population. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> let alone let alone the general population, right? Right, let alone the general population, <laughs> right. Because Philly is exactly. huge, and it has so many like – you can have a poetry event in every section of Philadelphia, Mm-hmm. Every day, really. Every day, really. If somebody <laughs> really built it, you know, every day. Yeah. But go ahead. Uh huh. So, so we really have to expand like how we look at poetry. Uh, you know, and that's really changing. Like slam poetry is changing a lot of things, and I won't talk about it too much. I just we really have to as as poetry grows, our vision for it has to grow as well. Um, yeah. I feel like a lot of times we're trying to recreate what it looked like in 1995 or something like that, and that's cool, but do we limit it to what it looked like in 95 or do we do something I know. bigger? You know? we, yeah. I, that's what's happened with me. I said, I'm sure my show has become so much bigger. And again, it's become more attractive to people who are more into the music industry, but mm-hmm. we have poetry and we choose songs that tell a story that I, in my opinion, are very poetic, you know? Um, right. And I actually have been criticized by some of those in the po in our poetry market, who say, you know, you're no longer a poet. Why not? Because I'm not doing it in a, po- I'm not doing open mics, or because I'm not doing it in a poetry venue, or because it's I a mean, huge, when, like, <laughs> stage production. Now, I don't know. When did black people do poetry that before criticism. open mics came along? Like, when we did poetry before the open mic, so. Exactly. <laughs> we, we're not limited to open mics <laughs> as far as poetry goes. You know what I mean? Exactly. And then, like, you're doing something that's in our tradition anyway. Langston Hughes was a part of the Harlem Renaissance. It had a, had a huge jazz influence, even up to Amir Baraka. Like, these are two of my favorite poets. Like, yeah, so that's how I feel about because those were my influences. You're right. Right. Yeah. And so traditionally, we haven't been these one-dimensional people that, oh, we can only do poetry over here, no, only music over here. That's not even that. That's not even in our <laughs> tradition, you know. And so, and, that, and that's the thing. Like, we, I was talking to a poet uh, a few hours ago just about knowing what you're coming into. So in poetry, yeah, we, we did the open mic thing, and everybody saw Love Jones and all of that, but we were doing poetry way before the 90s. And so what is yeah. that history? And so, yeah, when, when you talk about peace, love, and poetry, you talk about 
the soul opera and you're adding like scripts in and different things like that, that's all in our that's already in our, you know, tradition. You know. It's in our tradition, it's in our DNA. You know what I'm yeah, saying? So yeah. absolutely. And that's and I don't even defend it. I just keep working right now. Right. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I just keep working and to be honest with you, it organically grows itself. Like there's always another product or another service that comes out of it that I never even dreamed of, thought of, you know, never crossed my mind. But, again, something that happened and then we'll evolve out of that. So each one, has something has grown out of it, you know what I mean? Right. right. Which it sounds like that's what's happening with you, based on opportunities, based on relationships, based on uh, creativity, and based on just wanting to make something better, a new improved version of a thing. So that's so right. awesome, and I congratulate you on that, and I'm so proud and happy to be your friend and your client and um, love the journey. And unfortunately, because we both are working so much, we don't get to support each other as often. But, you know, mm-hmm. every time I can, when I look up and I'm like, I ain't got nothing to do. I go to Poetry247.com and find out where you guys are and I show up. You know what I mean? Right. So yes. that's, Excellent. you know, that's awesome. It's just an awesome portal. And in fact, it helped me because people always expected me to know where the Oh, but I don't know. And so now I'm like, Poetry247.com. Don't I, ask me. You know what I'm saying? I should look at the website myself. I don't know what's going on tonight. Look at the website. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Look at the right. website. Yeah, so with that being said, exactly. With that being said, thank you so much for the interview today. And this interview is going to be found on Master Korea, um, NGGTradio.com on blogtalkradio.com. But we will mention it on Heat 100 tomorrow. Heat 100 Radio tomorrow, which I'm also hosting the Soul Opera Radio Show. Uh, we'll be mentioning that this interview can be found and heard and rebroadcast through Master Green Radio. So for those of some people online had some confusion which show it was, I just want to clarify that we will be mentioning again on Heat 100 that um, this interview can be heard um, heard as well, okay? It can be heard throughout the week. So Mr. Christopher K.P. Brown, congratulations on all that you're doing, and thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Can you just close out? Telling everybody, can you close out just with the poll? And don't forget that you can find him on all the social media outlets, even Snapchat, he said, and make yeah. sure you stay in touch and keep up, try to keep up with him. He's going to right. close us without, with the poll, but we thank you so much for listening to Master Green Radio, NGT, Master Green NGT Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sweet Fresh Sean. I'm your hostess for this evening of Peace of Poetry Radio Edition with our producer and engineer, Ms. Jacqueline Adams-Brown. And, uh, oh, I can't even talk today. <laughs> Nick, oh, my gosh, I can't even get it out. With Ms. Jacqueline Taylor-Adams. There we go. Jacqueline Taylor-Adams in the background, our founder and producer and engineer tonight. We thank you so much for listening. KP's going to close us out with a poem. Go, you're up, KP. All right, excellent. Uh, This is a poem called David and Goliath. David held five stones. KP holds two pins. I don't need one of these to take aim and slay men to slay giants. Said if I ever got on, I would form an alliance with the real cats on the scene. Those who ain't clients might say I'm biased like Lynn, but I just want my squad to win. Chapbooks once went for five, but nowadays they go for ten. If you love it, snap two fingers. If you hate it, be quiet. Better yet, spit hot fire on the page. I pray your next poem is a riot. 
I'll tell your next piece makes brothers want to steal TV and stash more loot than the pirates. I pray the people feel better once the entitled take the minus. You trying to be fly, but man, I'm trying to fly United. Take it somewhere Paul Robeson never took it to. Make it through some doors James Prince never made it through. On a black block, I stood with steak and potatoes and said, try it. Fed a starving artist until he had the itis. Asked him, how long you going to stay on that don't expect nothing diet? If you can't envision a better future for yourself, God, are you truly enlightened? Or are you just as blind as cat southern weed just to pay its bills? Possessing wealth, building skills, but this is how we keep it real. Staying in tune with expectations instead of living up to our potentials. We could use the pen to write in cursive, yet we'd rather print and pencil. Keep it basic. Keep it basement. Keep poverty adjacent. Never associate success with ourselves. Claim our heroes are Freemasons. Claim they as claim they Illuminati as if the black brain don't naturally illuminate. Brothers can see themselves get some head, can't see themselves as head of state. Claiming God, but won't seek out a blessing. All that Sunday school, but we won't apply lessons. You say you've been on Kane since 1987. It's 20 years later, and you still have stepping? Hmm. You better off listening to the lectures. NOI.org. Black man and his God got to live in one accord. Black man got to live beyond his current spaces, hold his village down, even on some black places. Show the kids hard earned success when we show them black faces. Unfortunate, but black still got to run at faster paces because they still give head stars to so called master races. But it's cool. We'll play David while they play Goliath. We got our faith, and it only takes one stone to slay giants. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.